Big day, Rory. Big day for me. 39, pal. Wow. 39, and one of the first things I thought about today was our dear old colleague at the Hockey News, Brian Costello, once wrote a piece with every passing year, I feel I relate to you more and more. It was titled something along the lines of, please, Chris Chelios, don't hang him up yet. Because <laughs> Chelly was just a little older than Big Bry, and as long as there's one guy in the league older than you are, you still feel a little better just knowing someone your age is still able to perform at the highest level of a professional sport. So keep at it, Joe Thornton. Keep at it, Roberto Luongo. Keep at it, Patrick Marlowe. I should do a hockey reference search to see what other uh, 79s and aboves or belows, I guess as the case may be, are still out there. But uh, I appreciate those guys more than ever carrying the torch for uh, quote-unquote old guys out there. I had a moment the other week, and I don't remember what I was thinking about or how this even came up, or I was walking along, and I was thinking about my age, and I said, yeah, okay, I'm 36, and then I was walking away. Wait, no. Wait a minute. I had to count the years. No, I'm, I'm 35. I oh, just that's up a, a nice catch. Oh, don't give them away. The other... I'm at that point, though, where I've stopped caring and lost track. Well, it's also funny working in an industry where we're conditioned to talking about someone who's 30 like they're old. You know, like the yeah, as the, yeah. the saying sort of goes, the older you get, the older old is. So, you know, most people creep up to 40 and are like, well, I guess it's not that old. But we're hearing all the time about, oh, guy's on the back nine. He's 31. Yeah. Oh, come on. Come well, you're on. still looking great, buddy. Oh, good. <laughs> you know what? Just take his word for it, dear listeners. And take my word for it. We got a great pod coming up. We are going to have Mark Spector on Sportsnet's own not sure if you've had a chance to check out the 31 Thoughts podcast that dropped earlier in the week. Ooh. Andrew Ferentz, former captain of the Oilers. Uh, some interesting, insightful, very direct and honest we'll things say. to say. Uh, we're going to get Mark's take on that. But, of course, also on the hot Oilers and the Flames looking great as well. Mark's going to weigh in on that. He sees a bunch of both those teams. We're going to play a little game show producer show going to drop in with some questions for Rory and I in the third block but let's kick things off here talk a little bit about the Leafs no contract situation to really fuss over but maybe some trades who knows I mean the Leafs still looking pretty darn good out there lots of chatter in recent times about ah the Leafs tough enough I mean I think we know what Kyle Dubas thinks just look at his work with the Greyhounds mm-hmm. and the way that the Marlies were built and, and the Maple Leafs now. I don't think we're I don't think Uncle Leo or Matt Martin are coming back in the fold anytime soon, no. but maybe a Wayne Simmons. What do you think of the link between the Leafs and uh, a Scarborough boy? It's amazing because they're already stacked with forwards. Why do they need another forward? But of course, Wayne Simmons brings an element that the forward unit is kind of lacking right now and that he's a very physical guy. He's going to win those puck battles. You know, Mike Babcock likes to play Zach Hyman uh, with one of his top centers because he's the guy, he's the disturber, right? He's going to go into the corners and come out with the puck. And Wayne Simmons does that. And I would argue he's even better at it. And he definitely has a higher offensive upside, more ceiling there than Zach Hyman does. And he's also got a power play element to his game. Did you know that over the last three years, only Alex Ovechkin and Patrick Laine have more power play goals than Wayne Simmons. And that includes a down year last year yeah. for him when he was ranked oh, he's just out of the top magic 20. in front of the net. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, you're going to, you know, physicality isn't always about 
punching guys in the face, getting in fights, right? It's it's winning those puck battles down low. It's being on the doorstep to get the rebounds and, and being tough to clear out of he, there. He's like the chippy JVR, right? For sure. For sure he is. And I think that's a great comparison. I mean, they're on the same line in Philadelphia playing opposite of each other there. So he would be the disturber, and then you could put him on your second power play unit, maybe even use him on the first. I doubt it, though. I think he goes on to that second unit and just it lifts that unit a, a little bit more too already. I think it's an interesting pickup. It's just, what's the cost going to be? Because if a guy like Wayne Simmons becomes available, everybody's going to want him. Boston is going to want him. And if Boston can look at the situation and say, we need secondary scoring. We need a bump on the power play. We want this guy who still plays this, you know, perceived element of Bruins hockey and what that represents. It's slowly dying. There's not a lot of Wayne Simmons type players out there anymore. They can go and get that guy to boost their own levels of of physicality and offense and also take him away from the Toronto Maple Leafs and make sure they don't add that kind of an element and they keep that advantage over their, their prime rival, I would say, in that division. And it's not just them, like all the teams that are out West, like Bob Murray just signed an extension with Anaheim and he has talked about needing more speed and offense and they've got a lot of physicality, but you could always use that playing in the Pacific division. Minnesota seems like they're going to do something like that's the issue with coming up with who's going to get him and what they're going to pay with them pay to get him is that as all these teams are interested in him, the price should go up and up and up, even though he is just a rental player. It's going to be interesting to see how high that price ends up going. So non-Leaf backers are going to love this because after months of talking about what they could have gotten for William Nylander, now that he's signed, it's like, let's go back and revisit. Could they have got Alex Pietrangelo? Right, yeah. To me, on both sides that deal makes sense because if I'm the Leafs, I understand Pietrangelo is only under contract for one more year, Yeah, but we're right in that zone where every year counts. And I get two cracks for sure with a guy who is still, he turns 29 in January. It's not been happy times in St. Louis, but I still have a lot of faith in this guy as a serious player and who knows, maybe he comes here and after two cracks at it, looks around and says, this is a great situation. Mm-hmm. I, I would Let's find a way to keep me longer. I, I want to be part of this. I understand it's tricky when you're trading an asset that you would have control over for so long versus only 18 months kind mm-hmm. of thing. But you factor in what the lease have versus what they need. I don't know. To me, that those talks would have gained heat quick. Yeah, and it's not often a number one defenseman, which is what he, Alex Petrangelo is, even though he's got off to a slow start. It's not often those guys become available. So again, if he is out there, there's going to be all sorts of teams in on him, right? I, I don't think, though, I would be surprised if any of them gave up a guy at the age and the production level of William Nylander. I don't necessarily think you need to do that. I think you can get him with first-round picks and high-end prospects and things like that that don't really detract so much from your roster right away. I think the the price that was floated out there was Kasperi Kapanen, Nikita Zaitsev to get rid of his contract in a first-round pick. To me, it's going to take a lot more than that. Like, yeah. Zaitsev doesn't count, right? That's He's right. just a throw-in. The doesn't doing matter. you a favor. Exactly. So, but if you start with Kapanen and a first-round pick... How many more prospects do you need to add on top of that? Do you have to add in a second first round pick next year or something like that? Like that's a deal that I could see the Leafs doing and being happy about. The only issue is is resigning Petrangelo after next season when he'll be, I believe, 30 years old. And that could be a hefty, hefty contract. 
that you'll have to deal with. But maybe he'll want to stay. He's novice teammates with John Tavares. Maybe there's a, a little bit of a pull there to try and win a Stanley Cup or multiple Stanley Cups here in Toronto if they don't get it done, or if they do get it done in the meantime. But there are going to be teams lining up yes. to pay to trade for Alex Petrangelo, and I think all of them are going to be making those kind of deals. The futures. That's what St. Louis is probably going to want out of it. I, I would think. Like they have a lot of young guys on this team already. Robert Thomas is showing really well, and he he's the big one, I think. But I think these guys are getting more and more minutes. It's just that you're kind of still going for it, too, if you're St. Louis with the trades you made in the offseason and the signings with well, Tyler Bozak. Can I just jump in here and yeah. say, if you're Ryan O'Reilly, are you like, are you it's kidding like, me? I go to yeah. Buffalo when they're like, all right, here yeah. we go. We're on the upswing. Misery there for three years. I come to St. Louis. I play great, and it's like, Time to get rid of the captain. Like, yeah. ugh, are you kidding me? And it even looked like Colorado was on the up but he, when yeah. he was there, and it didn't really happen. It'll be interesting. I would be shocked. Again, I would be shocked if a William Nylander-type player goes in a deal like that because of the contract uncertainty and the uncontrollability of him. But I could see a pile of other really good assets going yeah. St. Louis's way. So maybe Toronto didn't have to do that. Yeah, it's going to have to be really good and i mean i guess with you know someone of nylander's caliber at least you'd be getting you'd be clearing a little room to keep the guy long term yeah that would, you know would represent some kind of benefit i think uh we had five places that who maybe you know that could serve as landing spots for petrangelo should he be on the move i was intrigued by the colorado idea too yeah. that seemed like a nice little fit well they're kind of playing with house money because they've kind got of. ottawa's first round pick yeah. and they got their own first round pick so they're gonna have one laundry pick anyway you're already doing extremely well i think the defense has been pretty good actually tyson berry has been a uh, very good on the back end for the merrick johnson like they have some pretty good pieces even nikita zordorov has been pretty good i would argue the bigger need for them is another score on the second line. I mean, it is a one-line team fully. Sure. They they really get going on runs when Carl Soderberg starts scoring goals and, you know, he's more of a defensive player and he's not going to score a ton of goals for you anyway. So I think that they would be more looking for a, a winger, possibly a center. Like, like, could you see them going and getting Jeff Carter potentially? Yeah, if, Carter's a, he's an interesting like name. That, that's the one that could take Colorado to a different level. You had a, a goal score of his ilk to the center position on your second line. Yeah. I mean, that changes the whole outlook of that team. So I could see them getting in on Petrangelo, but they still seem to be a team that is kind of taking things slowly here and letting them play. I remember they have Kale McCarr. They have Connor Timmons, these young defensemen, very highly regarded coming up. Maybe even next year, the year after that, they'll probably be in the, on the roster. I would think they need more, have more of a need for a forward than a defenseman. McCarr's kind of the lost guy in that 2017 draft because we're all talking about Pedersen now and, oh, what do you have gone first? And, you know, he sure actually probably being a better player than people realize. I was doing the, the picks the other day in my head. I was like, okay, who else went in front of Pedersen? Oh, yeah, Kale McCarr. Yeah, he's been doing very, yeah, very well. Looks yeah. like a great pick. You know which team is very familiar with making high picks is the Edmonton Oilers. They've had a bunch of them over the years, and some of them were apparently, we think, maybe not behaving the way one would hope. At least that's what (laughs) Andrew Ference had to say, the former captain of the Oilers. Coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to delve into that and much more, including the recent run of great play by the Oilers under new coach Ken Hitchcock. We are going to speak with Mark Spector about all of that. Coming up on Tape to Tape. The Tape to Tape podcast is brought to you by the GMC Terrain. With cargo space that'll fit the entire family's hockey bags and available all-wheel drive to keep them safe on icy roads, the GMC Terrain is the compact SUV 
thoughtfully designed with you in mind. GMC Terrain, we are professional grade. You know, being from Edmonton and I grew up in Sherd Park, you know, I've seen it a million times. Like, there's always a sacrificial lamb on the team that just gets roasted by the, the radio guys and the newspaper guys, and then the fans just continue that on. I mean, you got a group of players that talked about how they wanted to make the playoffs and talked about uh, how sick they were of losing, and then, you know, by game three, after losing 6-1, they're straight out to the bar till three in the morning, you know, lighting up the nightlife scene in Edmonton. Like, come on, give me a break. You know, like, it's... It was to the point where it was ridiculous, where the lifestyle was way more important than actually playing the game and making the playoffs. But like I said, talk is cheap. Joining us on the line now, he covers the Edmonton Oilers very closely for Sportsnet. It's Mark Spector. Mark, how you doing? Oh, doing great out here. How are you boys doing? We're doing pretty well and uh, well Fantastic. into the holiday spirit here. Um, there was a spirit of sharing here in Toronto uh, very recently when interference came on. And uh, you may have heard about this. Uh, <laughs> I say tongue in cheek. Uh, yes, Mr. Ferentz, some, uh, some strong comments on the 31 Thoughts podcast about his time in Edmonton mentioned you know, that there was a propensity on the part of some to maybe party too much, not great practice habits. You were on the ground. You were covering those teams close as well. What did you make of what Mr. Ferentz had to say? Well, it's, uh, you know, there's portions of everyone. I think Pierre Hall said it best at one point when he was still in order that the stink of a bad season falls on everybody. And I think the stink of, of you know, what they call here the decade of darkness, which was 10 consecutive years out of the playoffs, uh, and I'm not sure how much has lifted at this point, but I think the stink of that decade also falls on everyone. Uh, Andrew Fence was, was undoubtedly correct on some things. I don't doubt that some of those young guys partied a little bit. And I'm sure that they had to learn, like a lot of young players, that there are times to have fun and there's times to you know, pull the reins in and be ready to play. I would also suggest that the captain of that team should have had a little bit better control over what was going on there. That captain was Andrew Ferentz. Uh, I might also suggest that Dallas Akins, who was not ready for that job, uh, who you know Ferentz says was one of the best coaches he ever had in that interview. Uh, I watched him coach. He wasn't one of the best coaches Ferentz ever had. He wasn't a very good coach at all. So everybody had some blame there, and I'm not absolving any of the young uh, Oilers who probably had some fun. I would not absolve them. I'm sure that they flew off the handle a little bit at times. Being a member of the media out there in Edmonton, I have to ask you about one of the comments in particular that uh, there was this feeling um, for some of the players that they were more scared to make a mistake and be a whipping boy from the fans or the media rather than going out and you know being bold and, and trying things. What, what did you make of that? Is there any truth to that? Well, you know, again, this is let's use Justin Schultz as, a, as an example. You know, the Oilers were such a poor organization. They bring in this kid. Uh, they immediately force-feed him far more ice time in tough situations than he's able to handle. He's running a power play. He's barely got his feet wet in the league. And so he plays poorly. And he struggles and makes a whole bunch of bad mistakes. And as journalists and hockey people and hockey fans, we look down on the ice and we see number 19 making mistakes and we go, Man, that guy makes a lot of mistakes, right? <laughs> is it completely his fault? No, it's not. You know, it's your organization's fault, mostly. But nonetheless, as a journalist, and certainly the media here, we cover the games, and the team lost. 
two out of three nights for 10 years. So sorry, Andrew Ference, right? The, yeah. the thrust of our coverage is not going to be all roses and, uh, and flower petals here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be ugly because the team's ugly. Well, let's pivot out of that into much happier times. Seven, <laughs> seven of eight here for Edmonton heading into uh, a, a tough one with the Jets on Thursday night. But clearly things have improved under Ken Hitchcock. Is there one or two things you would pull out that immediately jumped to you since the Hitchcock era began? Well, it has to start in goal. And, you know, poor Todd McClellan, the last uh, eight games under him, uh, that he coached here, the goaltending had a save percentage of about 885, and since Hitchcock's arrived, uh, the goaltending has turned into about 920. So let's start there. The goalies are better. Obviously, the system's better, and the chances aren't quite as you know, unstoppable, perhaps. Uh, he's got a little support scoring. He's got a team that's checking hard. And, you know, they are playing better defense under Hitchcock. They're a tougher team to score on. The team's... You know, they might have puck possession on you, but they're staying on the outside of the offensive zone, which means the goalies can more easily save the shots. And all those things that the teams do, you're seeing the Oilers do more of. Uh, they've lost Clefbaum long-term, which is 25 minutes, and now Chris Russell appears to be injured, not playing in Winnipeg. So they're going to get tested here pretty hard, and I'm not sure that they'll have the depth to survive it, boys. Now that game that Clefbaum went out, Darnell Nurse was the guy. Played 30 minutes and 44 seconds in the 6-4 win over Colorado. I assume that's a signal that he is going to be the guy Ken Hitchcock kind of leans on on that blue line, especially now without Clefbaum in the lineup. Four points, or sorry, five points in his last four games. Uh, has Nurse taken a step forward this year, and how important is it? Uh, for him in this stretch of games that Clefbaum is out to really assert himself and maybe take another step up? Well, so here's a bit of a, you know, if you dig into the numbers a little bit, guys, you'll see that, that Clefbaum and Nurse both played about 22 minutes a game of five-on-five. Five. The numbers were almost identical. It was the power play time where Clefbaum would pick up an extra three minutes of ice time every night. So, sure, those three minutes are going to go over to Nurse, and, and you know, he, they're going you know, to need him to be on top of the power play and, and get his shot off. He scored one the other night. But, frankly, it won't be him making up the 22 minutes of Clefbaum's five-on-five time because he's already playing 22 minutes, right? So this is where the problem comes. When, when injuries occur, everybody has to take on more, and eventually you get to the, the depth defenseman guys who can't handle any more than he's already got. And that's why the injuries hurt you. So we're going to see it seep down through the Oilers' defense core, and hopefully they've got guys that can all stomach three or four more minutes a night. Uh, Andre Sekera is skating. Uh, is there yeah. any timetable for his return, and what would you even expect for him when he comes back? Yeah, that's hard, because uh, I would suggest he's probably a New Year's guy. Uh, you know, somewhere around the New Year's he should be able to play. But here's a guy who, who's coming off not only a torn ACL, uh, sorry, not only a torn Achilles, which happened in August, but a torn ACL that happened the year before that. So, my goodness, like, how much, A, how much player is left in the long term after those two serious injuries? And B, in the short term, can you possibly get up and running in the season when everybody else has got 40 games under their belt and you're coming off a serious double injuries like that? Uh, if he helps this team, gentlemen, this season, I will be. Uh, Taken back. How about that? <laughs> so, 
I think we've all expected at some point that McDavid and Dreisaitl had to be two centers driving two different lines, but they seem to fit together so well that, you know, there's a little bit of a ain't if it ain't broke mentality, but the thing that's really come to the fore recently has been the strong play of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's a guy I expect when I look at his stats that he, you know, he's going to be 30 years old or something because it feels like he's been around forever. Now he's only 25. He's, uh, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but he's certainly at almost a point per game tracking the best numbers of his career. H- has there been a real leap forward there? Oh, for sure. He's, he's, you know, he's that prototypical young Oilers first overall who played so much as an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old and got beat up by the Ryan Getzlaffs, right? And the Ryan Kesslers and the Hank Sedins and the, you know, the Petrie's Bergeron, those guys ate poor nude for lunch for the first three, four years of his career, as they would any young guy. Now, all of a sudden, you know, Nuge is 25 years old. He's experienced. He's got man's strength. He knows how to win a draw. He's a really good player. And, you know, he is. He started the year out of McDavid's wing, and, and Dreisaitl suffered on the second line. So they swapped those two out, and it's starting to look like Nugent Hopkins is probably the better second-line center, and the solution is to keep Dreisaitl, who's on pace for, I think, about 90 points here. Why would you move him off McDavid's wing at this point? He is very productive there. McDavid loves playing with him, and now you've got the second line center you need. All this team needs points is a couple of wingers, so maybe they can get somewhere. Now, as great as everything is going right now in Edmonton, they are still the second-best team in Alberta by the standings. Uh, phenomenal game there on, on Sunday, one nothing. Oilers win. Uh, just what is the uh, buzz in the two cities, the feeling in the arenas when these two teams play each other? Each team has hosted a game so far this season. Like, is is the Battle of Alberta back in its full form? I know you wrote a book on this uh, a year or two ago. Um, it, it, are we kind of returning to the old school levels of, uh, you know, what that battle used to mean after both teams were so bad for so long? Well, no kidding. Like, I think that's the key. It's never going to be the same battle, you know, in terms of five-on-five, tier six balls. Those days are over. They're never coming back. But what has to happen then is if we're not going to get that visceral, you know, physical hockey that that battle used to give us, then it is incumbent on both teams to be very good and to be very meaningful and to be near the top of the standings. And that's where both clubs, not just the Oilers, but both clubs have really let the battle down. They haven't been, neither of these teams have been relevant for a decade. So look at Calgary. Calgary's been the best team in the West right now. And, you know, they, they've got this unbelievable map to come back. Scored two goals in the last minute and 20 against Philly the other night to get an overtime and they won it. Uh, they're holding up their end of the bargain. And, you know, the Oilers fired a coach and it wasn't going so good. So if they can win something, they'll hold their end of the bargain up. And lo and behold, as I think any Leafs or Sens fan would say, the rivalry's not the same if you don't need the playoffs every once in a while. And these two teams haven't been in the playoffs since, like, 1991. So that's what has to happen here, guys. It's got to be two good teams that eventually go head-to-head in a playoff series. And until that happens, you know, the battle of which I wrote a book on, it's a damn good book, let me tell you. And it's Christmas, too, isn't it? I'm putting two and two together here. You know, you can still find it on Amazon. Uh, we'll never get back to that level until the two teams 
are proficient enough to play at that level. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I love looking at the standings today and actually seeing that would be the first round matchup if uh, if we were uh, drawing the line today. You see a fair bit of the Flames. You mentioned they're, they've certainly been the hottest team in the West. Do you see staying power there? Do you think, you know, would we go out there and say the the Pacific is theirs to lose? Yeah, I would say at this point, the way they're playing, the only, you know, they've got a, a deep defense. Uh, Mark Giordano is leads that defense, but they've got a bunch of guys that can play. Uh, they're getting some depth scoring. Their first line is awesome. Lindholm, uh, Lindholm has turned out to be one of the best pickups that any team made this year. Uh, that would be the guy that came over in the Dougie Hamilton trade. Uh, probably Bill Peters, his former coach in Carolina. Uh, you know, what if James Neal scored some goals? Would the Flames not be a little bit better? So uh, the Flames have everything you need. I'm a little. I'm, I'm never going to be a complete believer in Mike Smith. But when he's good, he's great. And the kid underneath him, David Riddick, is uh, also very good. So they've got enough. In, in elite division, guys, Calgary is enough to win this division. And now it's up to Edmonton to slide into some version of a playoff spot uh, and then let the chips fall, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, just the, the mere notion of that uh, of a potential playoff battle that uh, we flicked at there would be would be great. And, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say hockey's a little more fun when both those Alberta teams are are good and, and in the playoff picture. So um, I'm sure uh, <laughs> I'm sure it makes your your job a little better as we touch on or a little easier when uh, when things are going well for uh, the Oilers and not those contentious times that uh, that Ferentz mentioned. So uh, enjoy it out there and, and have a, a great uh, Christmas and holiday season spec. And we'll talk to you, I'm sure, before too long in 2019. All right, thanks for having me, boys. My pleasure. That was Mark Spector, our trusted man in Alberta. Rory, it's funny how quickly things can change. We were talking about the Nuge on left wing as almost like Mm -hmm. rejuvenating his career, maybe, or like, oh, found a home playing left wing next to Connor McDavid. The Oilers had maybe solved the problem by moving him to wing, and Dreisaitl was going to play center, and now Mm -hmm. here we are almost three months into a new season, and you're going, oh, yeah, you know what? Actually, maybe R&H is the 2C, and as Speck was saying, if Dreisaitl is going to put up 90 points, just leave him on the way. Yeah, and, and look at some of the other teams around the league that are loading up their first lines, right, and, yeah. and finding a lot of success doing it. And for Edmonton, that means putting Dreisaitl with Connor McDavid. It, but there's not a and world where you could also put Ryan Nugent Hopkins on that line. You need a second line center who can do something. And Nugent Hopkins has been faring very well in that role again. And you know what? Not that you can do things exclusively for this reason, but never hurts to keep Connor McDavid happy. <laughs> this is a guy I want to play with. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There was a goal the other night where Dreisaitl uh, backhand saucer passed it right across the ice from blue line to blue line, right on McDavid's stick in full stride. And he beat the defenseman no problem in that. And it was just, I mean, that was a highly skilled player to another highly skilled player. What a pass, what a play. And you look at plays like that and you say, why would you ever split these guys up? And, you know, Ken Hitchcock has been making some very positive defensive strides with this team. You're still going to need goals, not scoring at the level they were previously. But when you put those two together, you can count on them getting on the score sheet more often than not. I was just happened to be speaking to someone from the Flames organization earlier today and uh, asked about the Oilers. And he said, don't underestimate how much 
from top to bottom, these teams truly don't like each other. And I actually find that kind of heartwarming mm-hmm. here in this holiday season to know that, okay, <laughs> maybe it's never going to be line brawls again, like Speck said, but the hate is uh, alive and well in the Battle of Alberta. And man, here's hoping that playoff series does come to pass in the very near future. All right. Coming up on the other side of the break, it's game show time. Producer show is going to drop in with some queries for Rory and I. Make sure you stick around for that. Coming up on Tape to Tape. Looking to stream over 500 NHL games blackout free? Sportsnet Now is the product for you. Available to anyone over the internet, Sportsnet Now gives you 24-7 access to Sportsnet's channels, including content not available on TV. You can stream on the go or at home on your big screen from the most popular devices, including smartphones and tablets, Apple TV, Xbox, PlayStation, and Chromecast. Sign up for as long as you want and cancel whenever you'd like. You can also stream the NBA, MLB, Premier League, all your favorite Sportsnet original programming, and more. Visit snnow.ca for more details. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. As promised, it is time for a little fun game show. For those unfamiliar, producer show is going to ask us from the other side of the glass in the booth some questions the content of which we have no idea anything about so why don't we just get to it all right show what do you got first well i decided to keep the questions today a little more recent i'll start with you ryan okay this is for ryan Sidney crosby has still never won a game at one nhl arena do you know what arena that is? Got to be Western Conference because he's played enough in the East that he would have won in every rink. Where has Sidney Crosby never won a game since 0506 when he came into the league? Who's been pretty good? I would say if we're just talking regular season, I was going to say San Jose, but I'm going to say Dallas. <laughs> first thing that came to my head was Anaheim Ducks. Who are the Chicago Blackhawks, oh, the United Center? That never I believe, once. Yeah, the Blackhawks beat the Pittsburgh Penguins at home 6-3 a couple nights ago. And yes, Crosby is still, he is 0-7 in 13 years Okay, wow. in the United Those Center. runs are always funny. All right, fair enough. Chicago was not good when he came in, but neither was Pittsburgh. So for a couple yeah. of years, they were both not great, and then they both got really good. Fun fact, he has zero goals, two assists, and has a plus-minus of minus 14 in, wow. uh, in seven Ooh. games. In Chicago. In Chicago. Interesting. As of this is for you, Ori. Okay. As of right now, every NHL team has defeated every other NHL team except for one. There's one matchup where this NHL team has not defeated another one. Every other matchup has been completed. Oh, my God. <laughs> so in the history of hockey. <laughs> yes. Okay. So every it, team has beat. And we can leave out okay. like teams like the Hartford Whalers and stuff like that. Yeah, the, yeah. Of, the, of the current teams in the NHL. Okay, so it has to be, it has to be Vegas. Yes, the Golden Knights are involved. Is it Chicago? It is Chicago. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, show us some tricks up his sleeve going <laughs> back to back Chicago. <laughs> Where so, did you think so it was, Ryan? I thought it was the Islanders, actually, because Vegas just beat the uh, Islanders. Yeah. And I thought maybe I had heard that on the broadcast, but uh. so Chicago has never beaten 
Vegas or vice versa? Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have never defeated the Golden Knights. They're 0-5 in five the Chicago games. Chicago Blackhawks have never defeated Which the Golden Knights. Makes sense. Yeah. They haven't been on top of their game okay. since Vegas came into the league. Yeah. Uh, they've beaten everybody. Wow. So every other team has a win against Vegas? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Every Eastern Conference team that's already has a win thing. against Vegas. That is shocking. <laughs> I feel like a lot of those must be must have been made up this season <laughs> rather yeah, than sure. last season. Yeah, right. yeah. All right. Wow. All right. Keep moving along here. All right, we'll get out. We'll get off the Chicago. Okay. Uh, we'll get off the Chicago. Oh, all right, are you cross, just, are you, cross is that misdirection? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you should Way to sniff that out, by the way, Rory. Because <laughs> my mind did not go there at all. After last night's game, Ryan Getzlaff joined the 900 point club. He has 901 points now after last night's game. And there are five other. There are five members, including Getzlaff, so four other members from the 2003 draft who have 760 points or more. Can you guys name two of those players? Not counting Ryan Getzlaff. From the two... And I'll give that to you, Ryan. Eric Stahl. Patrice Bergeron. There's two more that have up above 760 if you want to try and Zach those. Parise. Mm. I'm not looking this up, by the way. No, I will not. soon, but... Yeah. <laughs> so we have Stahl, we have Bergeron, and there are two more. Yep. Jeff Carter. Mm. So it was Fleury, then Stahl, then Horton was third overall, I think. Voracek? Mm. I'm running out of steam, Rory. Is Corey Perry one of them? Corey Perry, oh, yeah, yes. Of course Mr. Is. Perry is third on the list. It's Stahl, Getzlaff, Perry, this player, and then Bergeron. Who is that player? I, I Seven hundred seven hundred and sixty plus points. Yeah. So Stahl has 943. Okay. Getzlaff has 901. Perry has 766. And then Bergeron has 760. So this player has between 766 and 760. Okay, come on, baby. Does he play in the West or East right now? Right now he plays in the East. Right now he plays in the Eastern Conference of the NHL. What conference, what team? Let's try this again. When he was drafted, was he drafted by an East or West team? Way back when. He was drafted... By an Eastern Conference team. Okay. 2003, 85 born, probably on the dream, well, maybe if he was Canadian, on the... He's a pretty high draft pick team. in 2003. He was, eh? Yeah. It's a forward, right? Yes. I was half tempted to say Shea Weber, but I was like, no, nah, it can't be that many points. Played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is his eighth team. Oh, I'm my just God. looking at the teams trying to drog my memory hey, this here. This is his and... eighth team, and he has that many points. Oh, his eighth team. This is going to be so obvious when we're given the answer. Mr. Thomas Vanek. Oh, oh wow. I would have been guessing wow. for a while. Yeah. He's a sixth, sixth overall pick? Fifth. 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 Wow, it's it's hard to believe he was in that same draft with all those guys. I, I wasn't even thinking. I often think back to when Vanek was traded from Buffalo to the Islanders, and it was like, whoa, the Islanders are making this big play, and they offered him seven for seven. And he turned it down. And then by, you know, four months later, after he'd been traded again Mm -hmm. to Montreal because he turned it down, I think he ended up getting the three-year deal from Winnipeg. Like, that guy's stock in, like, six months really plummeted to the point where now we talk about it in the context of don't get too down on Vanek. He can actually score you 19 (laughs) goals. You don't don't know when they're going to (laughs) come. Yeah. But, man, there was a time there was, like, he's playing with Tavares. And, oh, man, is this... This is the play for the Islanders. Okay. All right. 
All right, we only got a couple more for you guys. Okay. You guys are tied right now. Each of you guys have gotten one correct. Okay. Okay, so I'll give this one to Rory. Rory, Sean Monahan became the second player. We were talking about the Flames and Oilers with Mark Spector earlier on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So Sean Monahan became the second player in Flames franchise history. He scored 20-plus goals in each of his first NHL seasons, joining this player who did it from 79 to 80 through 84 to 85. I thought you said these were current questions. <laughs> One historical. Oh, my God. I And... Those are your first six seasons in the league or as a flame? In his career. First six seasons of his career. Yeah. So it's before Fleury. That's before Roberts. Before Newendike. Oh, yeah. This is before I was born. It's also before Rory. I, wow. And I'm going to clarify you, one more time. Yeah, you can take it if you got it. Six first six seasons yep. in the league, 20 goals, all with Calgary. And again, this is... Your first six seasons in the league. You yeah. couldn't have played somewhere else for five years, then come and scored exactly. those yeah, goals. Yeah. Okay, so I have to cross off Lanny McDonald. That was my guess. Mm, mm. I will say something weird like Paul Reinhardt. Mm. No, I'm not even going to guess it. Forget it. <laughs> Kent Nielsen. Yeah, Kent I didn't Nielsen. Get... Yeah. Oh, wow. So well Kent done. Nielsen is the guy who, if I remember correctly, Elias Pettersson just beat his Swedish points record in a season. For an under-20 player, but he didn't beat his points-per-game record. He still holds that for an under-20 player in the Swedish League. And he, wow, I never would have guessed him. Also, the rare guy who's played for Calgary and Edmonton. I'm guessing there's not too many of those out there, but I at least have some Kent Nielsen knowledge. There you go. <laughs> he also came, he also came up in a recent podcast as the guy whose leg almost got hacked off by Ron Hextall in the, in the 87 yeah. Cup final. Wow. Bringing some Kent Nielsen trivia <laughs> back into the Tape to Tape podcast. Okay. All right, so we still, we got one last one that may be the tiebreaker. Yes, okay, so here we go. This is definitely a question for this season. Okay. Okay, so of the new players that have shifted teams this offseason, which team has garnered the most points from one single player? So who has the most points for having changed teams having changed teams. i've got my guess i immediately want to jump out there and say jeff skinner is it elias lindholm it's elias lindholm uh, there you go keeping with the calgary theme mr lindholm has 34 points john tavares has 33 points and jeff skinner has 31 points and he's tied with max domi oh man it's funny i didn't even think of tavares <laughs> I thought that been. man lindholm and hannafin is starting to uh see the points come a little bit in recent times too it took him a little while to get off the schneid goal wise but for a trade there was some serious hand wringing about who wins that good. trade right now it's gotta be calgary I, doesn't it because not only so. lindholm hannafin has been amazing for them yeah. and just getting better too yeah well that's the thing uh the you know last month here when calgary has stepped forward hannafin has really gone to another level now so. an interesting thing too is adam fox who went the other way to carolina in that deal is yeah. destroying the ncaa this year but there was the issue with, I guess the Flames didn't think that they would be able to sign him out of the NCAA and he might go the free agency route. I don't know if Carolina feels they have any better of a chance to get him, but if they can, you got something to say? Well, and let's keep it, make it even more juicier and say, if Carolina has got the wink wink, he's open to playing there. Are they that more inclined to move one of their defensemen in a blockbuster for yeah, a forward? Very interesting. It would seem Justin Falk would be the guy yeah. if they're going to move somebody, right? But who knows? We'll see. Well, well done, 
producer show. Some uh, some good ones in there. I like the mix of historical stuff. I have to say, as soon as you threw out the Flames question, I was like, oh, I'm going to nail this. I'll get this for sure. <laughs> Kent Nielsen. Good God. Not even close. Well, friends, that wraps it up for what is the penultimate episode of 2018 for the Tape to Tape pod. We will be back next week before a little break around Christmas. Sam Cosentino, Sportsnet's prospects and junior hockey guru is going to come on and talk about who you should be keeping an eye on in the WJC preview team Canada talk about prospects playing uh, in the tournament who have been drafted by Canadian teams so lots of good stuff you're going to want to make sure you come back to hear what Sammy cause has to say see what Rory has to say or at least tweet by following him at Rory Boylan, myself, at Dixon on Sports. Check us out on sportsnet.ca, subscribe on iTunes, and check back next week for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape.